So we're going to go over the topic uh, about uh, trying to work out how we feel and how to determine uh, the value of it. And my comment was that if you ask me, how do I feel? I say, I don't care. But if you ask someone who's operating at the low end of the pyramid, the consciousness cone, how they feel, they will uh, uh, immediately respond with, with a, 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 a statistic, how they feel, it's good or bad or right or wrong or up or down. But when you operate at the, um, the lower level of the consciousness cone, you're really exposed to a lot of what's uh, uh, of immediate influences on how you feel. So you're very vulnerable. And we go through them. The number one vulnerability is uh, other people, our judgments. So what I said earlier was that if you're watching a TV show and you're watching that TV show and there's a comedian on it that made you laugh you, and someone said, how do you feel? You go, oh, really good. Even if you're sick, you'd say really good. Or if you're looking up Facebook or Instagram or something and there was a funny joke like the, the one, what did I say? Uh, the, the, um, I stopped. I stopped giving a fuck and I feel great. And I lived happily ever after. And th things like that make you smile. So our mind is really, at the lower level of human consciousness, is really exposed to uh, judgment. And if things come our way that reinforce what we think is good, like comedy or a joke or uh, a person that comes into our space, we go, I feel really good. But if something comes in, in the opposite, something comes into our space that makes us feel bad, like uh, some news that there was a tsunami or some news that there was a rape or some news that something went wrong, we feel really bad. And so if we're going to live at the bottom end of the consciousness cone, we have to accept that we're both um, vulnerable to easily get up high with, around the influence of a judgment. And it's all about judgment or really get low around the influence of judgment. So for example, if I judge um, uh, violence is bad and I get anywhere near news about it, a person who's got violence, I hear a scream in the neighborhood, I hear a dog bark, I hear two dogs fighting, I hear the neighbors having a bit of a quarrel, and so, someone says, how do you feel? I, I will, if I'm living on that bottom end of the consciousness cone, I will immediately say, I feel shit. It'll make me feel bad. But if I hear yep. two people kissing in the street and kids playing or and dogs happy and cat meowing and all these things, and I judge that as good, I will say, I feel good. So when somebody says to me, how do you feel? I go, I don't care. And that's basically because I don't want to be operating at the level of low hanging fruit. I don't want the, the judgments, my judgments to be affecting my feelings. I just want my judgments to be the things that I evolve. The second thing that influences how we feel is our health, our, our, the cellular memory of our body. And so the shit that we went through yesterday, for example, this morning I went out uh, at 5 a.m. and got my new bike and went to uh, the local uh, Centennial Park in Sydney where everybody takes their bikes it's a four kilometer circuit and rode around and around and around trying out my new bike. 
at the end of that, it was it was some, somewhat stressful because it's a new bike and I really don't didn't have full grip on the whole familiarity with it. At the end of that, I, I stopped and I had a drink of some water and I had a cup of coffee with a friend and it's really lovely, came back, had breakfast, but I know my body's acidic. I know I have the remnants of a bike ride sitting inside my body. So what I have to do later on, at some point, I have to over in, increase my water intake today. I have to go for a long walk and I need to get a roller and roll out the things. Otherwise, my body will feel tired. It's not tired, but it will feel tired because it has the chemicals of yesteryear. Now, a business person goes to work and has all these emotions and deals with shit and gets through the day and puts the kids to bed and all, all sorts of things, pays the bills. Every time we do something, it's a, uh, the action of doing is, is, is a chemical. The, 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 it, whether it's thinking or doing or moving or riding a bike or writing or typing on a keyboard, the action of doing is a, it causes chemical infrastructure of our body. And those things make us feel things. They are hormones, they are, chem they are, are biochemicals, they are byproducts, lactic acid, all the things that come in our body feel something. For example, lactic acid in your body after going for a run feels heavy. Okay. So if someone says, how do you feel? You will say, I feel a bit worn out or something like that, but you're not. <laughs> your body's worn out or your chemicals of your body are worn out. So a second thing I say when someone says, how do you feel? I go, I don't care because it's, it's not the criteria. And that's why I bought my aura ring and I advocate everybody who lives, wants to live in a conscious place in life needs an aura ring or there's one on the wrist you can get called a, a, a whip or a, a, a whim. The good thing about an aura ring, the, the, the one on the wrist has a subscription, and I think the new aura ring has a subscription um, membership too, but it's not as high. And that thing for women, I, uh, m most of the women I know who have them, they put them on at night rather than wear them 24-7. But the aura company is trying to advocate to wear them all day, every day, because it monitors your rest periods, it monitors your wake. And the reason I do that is because the aura ring tells you how you feel. <laughs> There's a statistic in every day on your, on your phone, which is um, basically telling you how ready are you for today. And it's not based on your estimates of the chemicalized carryover of your body, because that stuff is false. That's, that's, false, that's a false um, positive or a false negative. The third thing, if you meet somebody and they're of low consciousness or operating in the norm of life, um, if, if they're in a dark room and it's raining outside and there's thunder and it's really, there's no light and it's middle of the day and they've been inside all day, there is no way that person's going to say, I feel fantastic. <laughs> they just can't. It's not possible. Light the and green green of trees and the light from the sun and the light from the stars and the light it doesn't have to go it doesn't have to be sunlight it can be clouds with light coming through them but light uh, creates um, 
chemicals in the body that cause us to be able to recover and relax. And so a person who works in an office or is you know, in an environment that doesn't have a lot of uh, leaves and doesn't, look, uh, doesn't deliberately look on their screen like we do, we operate with consciousness, we, we go to light, we go to tree, we go to flower, we go to these things. Not because we want to be a big celebratory of um, the environment, but because we get from green, we get recovered. And we feel, it's called biophilia, and, and that's a big science, and that's the thing I studied for most of my life. Biophilia is the human connection to nature. By being in nature, if we go to a rainforest, for example, or a beach, there's ions in the atmosphere there's, there's, uh, coming f off the water and off the, off the trees that transform our feelings. We feel are really awakened being around in a, in a pine forest or being in a rainforest or being near the beach. And one of the reasons I dip in the ocean, rain, hail or shine, here in Bondi is because I feel it. So again, someone says, how do you feel? I go, well, that's going to depend on the environment I'm right now in. Uh, you know, right now I'm on a computer screen talking to you, but I could be walking in a park talking to you and I would feel completely different about the phone call. So I say, I don't care how I feel. It is not the basis on which I'm going to measure my uh, proposition or my day or my event. The third thing, fourth one is, and it's really co a cool one, is I have values and you have values. Everybody in the world has a values chain. Um, and a good example of this is today, my partner and I, we came back from, uh, she went running, I came back from riding. We uh, cleaned up, she had first shower, I had second shower, and she said, I'll go make breakfast because I've got a coaching session coming. And she, I go, great. I get to the kitchen and there's no brekkie. Now in my value set, brekkie is important for my coaching. So on my value set, it's a priority. In hers, she needed to check her phone to see how far she ran because her phone didn't work, her watch didn't work while she ran. So in her priorities, getting that sorted out was really important. So everybody's operating either on priority or off priority. And when we're off operating off priority, we don't feel good, even if the thing we're operating on is really beautiful. So I could be um, sweeping the garden, raking the garden, and it's a really beautiful thing to do to be out there with the birds and the lizards and all playing. But if I can't connect that to coaching, I'm off priority. So I'll feel tired. So again, because of the values confusion, I have to say, someone says to me, how do you feel? I go, I don't care. Because I know if I'm operating in low priority stuff, I will feel shitty doing something really beautiful, going for a swim even. So I must work, uh, uh, therefore, uh, with a conscious not life, and therefore you, you are obligated to yourself to, to say, am I on priority? The fifth one is my vision. And because um, the future fluctuates, it's like a slinky spring. 
and uh, sometimes you look into the future and you see way into the future, 20 years, and you go, yep, I'm totally manifesting everything I could have dreamed of for the next 20 years. I can see it. I can see it. And sometimes the slinky compresses and I'm actually looking at the next 10 minutes wondering whether I'm going to, uh, whether I've got ball cancer or bowel cancer or, a, 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 you know, I get a headache and I go, oh, shit, might be a stroke. And where's my vision now? Gone. I'm operating in the moment. And then how do you feel? You feel like shit. You feel really, really depressed because you, 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 the view you have onto the horizon, how far that horizon, how, how far you can see into the future, how far you look when you look out the window. If you can look across the ocean, it triggers in you this feeling of eternity, immortality, and it feels fucking fantastic. And then all of a sudden you, I stand up and I stub my toe on the bloody dining room table or the front balcony, I get bitten by a bee or something. And next thing you know, I'm talking about the next 10 seconds and I feel like shit. So I, the, the discipline to keep looking into the future keeps me feeling um, in a good space. So I, but I can lose it just by doing something like stubbing my toe or putting the tea to my lips, having a cup of tea, putting the tea to my lips and I forgot to blow, blow it with my mouth and cool it down and I burn my tongue. Next thing you know, what vision? And you say, how do you feel? And I go, I'm really pissed off. <laughs> and 10 seconds ago, I was feeling fabulous, immortal. And the last one is the, 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 the glue for everything. And that is how I'm... How, how I'm the whole package of it, how am I feeling about being Chris? The whole package of it. In other words, what am I saying to myself? So if I'm going for a bike ride, there's three levels of self-talk. There's, there's the part of me that encourages myself that goes, hey, Walker, you can do this. You can ride your new bike around the park and it doesn't matter that you don't keep up with other people. Just enjoy yourself. So there's the encouraging parent. The adult says, well, just hold your posture on the bike. Make sure you don't um, you know, roll your back, curve your back, keep the pedal on the back of the heel. It, it, it continually gives me as much instruction as I can to make sure I'm doing it right. And that's the adult conversation. There's no judgment in that. It's just a script of how to ride a bike correctly. And I, and I have a checklist of that 13-point checklist that I do. And that's my adult but child is going whoa one lap down well done and I look at my watch and it rewards me again it goes wow your heart rate's only 120 beats a minute you're going quite fast well done mate well done and it's like it's feeding back into the thing now if one of those three voices takes a holiday uh, I feel like shit <laughs> so the topic of how do I feel I have to say Either I have to say I don't know or I don't care, but I can't say how I feel is important because it so depends on the disciplines and practices that I put in place every single day of my life. So the, 
difference between a low consciousness athlete and a high conscious athlete or difference between an A grade athlete and a B grade athlete is that a B grade athlete will train today, train again tomorrow, train again the next day and maybe take Saturday off thinking that Saturday is going to recover them ready for Sunday for the st to start the week training again. But an elite athlete will build time into every single day to do recovery work. And that is not passive. Recovery work is a walk, uh, nutrition, uh, maybe doing a roller on the floor. And what they're saying is, I can't do as good as I did today in training tomorrow if I don't recover from today before tomorrow. But a business person, they say, oh, we've got a project coming up or we've got this event coming up or we've got this drama coming up or we've got COVID on our hands. I'm gonna work all day today, go home, look after the family, go eat and go to bed. Now I'm gonna get up tomorrow and I'm gonna acknowledge that I'm not recovering every day. But what I'm gonna do is put these days back to back to back and then take a, a break sometime down the track, like on the weekend or on Sunday or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that's a B-grade athlete because the, the, the executive won't know it, but they're not performing on day two at exactly the same place they performed on day two because they're training on top of tiredness. Now, a B-grade athlete can train on five days of tiredness and then take a day off. And the whole day that take off, they go and get a massage or they might walk the park or just watch TV all day. And they don't fully even recover from six days in one day. So the seventh day when they start again, they're not back to the first day of the week. Right. When you operate at an executive business level and you're a leader and you've got this thing, you have to be at your peak every day. You can't have this diminishing return process of Monday I'm on fire, Tuesday, I'm going really great. Wednesday, I'm starting to slip. Thursday, I feel knackered. And Friday, I survive till the afternoon and then pull the pin. You cannot do that. You cannot because on Thursday, you're going to fuck up or something's going to go wrong. And people remember the stupid things you do, not the great things. So they forget Monday, Tuesday. They start to think about how you behaved on Wednesday. They certainly know the shit hit the fan on Friday and you lost the plot and then you just made it through um, Friday. And then someone says, what do you think about so-and-so as a leader? And they go, well, I remember Thursday. <laughs> they don't say, I remember Monday, Tuesday. So the recovery on a daily basis, the aura ring and the diets and the walks in the park and getting out to nature, being on priority, looking after your body, dealing with judgments, all this recovery shit that takes time. This makes Tuesday as good as Monday. We don't have to take a whole week. Let alone, as, as, as we've talked about, as you've done, um, to say to yourself, I'm in the middle of a crisis. This thing has to be done today. Time is compressed. And now I'm going to take a couple of hours off. <laughs> it's counterintuitive, but you, if you don't, tomorrow you train on top of today's finished and then the next day and next thing you know there's an injury. For an athlete, it would be called an injury. For a, a business executive, it's called an uh, emotion or a mistake or loss of consciousness. Um, yeah, for, 
So like, uh, like whether it's bike riding or paddling an ocean ski or whatever it is, every time you train, you, you wreck your muscles, you destroy muscle tissue, you break the muscle down and then recovery rebuilds that muscle much, much better than it ever was before. So the muscle evolves. But the recovery is the secret because if you destroy the muscle and then train on top of destroyed muscle, you're consuming that muscle and it's not getting better. You're just bouncing back with, uh, with gels and enthusiasm and, and emotions. You're bouncing back to train again. So the secret of training is to destroy the muscle through exertion, feed the muscle its nutrition, give it its, its um, roller and get rid of all the chemicals, let it rebuild, which it will on a daily basis, it, it, and then the muscle gets rebuilt, is it more evolved? So at work, we evolve ourselves by working hard, stressing ourselves, being challenged, confronting the devil, you know, doing all the shit that happens at work, but then completely recovering so that we evolve the muscle, the, the being, from that day's work and the next day we're a better version of ourselves we're a more sophisticated version but if we do five days in a row back to back without going to nature looking at judgments talking about the body getting some exercise uh, looking at our values thinking about our vision doing our self-talk if we don't do that for a week the version that we rebuild from the tiredness is is not as good a version as we had when we started on the monday so actually, it's a diminishing version of ourselves that we're. A bit, it's like an athlete overtraining, and ending up uh, worse than they were before they started training, <laughs> less fit. So that yeah. you know, an athlete can train for six months and end up less fit at the end of six months than they were at the start because they've been training on tiredness. Yeah. So that's the power hour. The power hour basically gives says. I hereby want to operate at higher consciousness in the world. I want to be a great leader in the world. And I want to perform above average. Why above average? My average, their average, everybody's. I want to perform above that. And you go, well, to do that, I have to give myself permission to recover on a daily basis so that the version of myself on day two is a better version of than my, myself on day one. Even if it's a micro better, if 1% per day uh, improvement or per week improvement, 1% improvement per week by recovering every day adds up to 100% improvement in 100 weeks. And man, that's a big transformation in self. But the power hour, that's what it was invented for and that's what the 30 days is supposed to teach people. It's supposed to teach people how to do one hour of recovery every single day so that the version of you on day two is better than the version of you on day one and you don't carry tiredness through your life and spoil the home life and spoil your health and spoil your fun and spoil your joy and your spirit and your, and your love for life. And that's what happens. It just exhausts us. Yeah.